Well, how many of you are Tigers fans? <laughs> you have to love the drama, huh? But they came through, they took the bad guys down last night, it was awesome. But I have to tell you, a lot of people are like playoff fans. They're fans in the moment if the team's doing well, but I have been a Tigers fan forever, and it goes back to when I was young. I grew up in this area, and when I was 10 years old, my dad bought me tickets and took me down to the old Detroit Stadium, and I got to watch Denny McLean throw his 31st win as a young kid. And I'm telling you, that unbelievable exposure by a person who had great influence in my life, my dad, to the Tigers, cemented me as a fan for life, and for good or for bad, you know, throughout the years, no matter where I've been, you know, I'm a Tigers fan, there's no close second, and the same is true, because I was exposed to all of our Detroit teams as a young guy, I, I am a fan of all of them. In fact, I remember being in the very first Lions game ever played in the Pontiac Silverdome years and years ago. And, I mean, I, I'm a cemented Lions fan. And for many years, I've sought counseling to overcome it. But, <laughs> but I, I just am. And many of you are fans of different things as well because when you were young, you were exposed by someone of influence to those things. Here's the truth you need to understand. It doesn't just play into our sports loyalties. It plays into every arena of our lives and to our spiritual walks as well. The truth is that what we're exposed to in life significantly influences us. What we're exposed to, good or bad, significantly influences us. Look at how the Bible says it in Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise, he who's exposed to the wise, grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. What we're exposed to significantly influences us. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. What we're exposed to significantly influences us. Even if we're people of good character, if we're consistently exposed to bad character, it can corrupt us. Even if we have a great propensity for wisdom, if what we're walking with and exposed to more often than not is foolishness, it's going to drag us down and significantly influence us in our choices towards foolishness. This is the truth of God's Word. And understand the reality the reality is that negative exposure is an absolute certainty in our lives. It's a certainty. We can't get around it. We're going to be exposed to negative things. Jesus just put it right down there where we can grasp it. This isn't hard to interpret or hard to understand. Look at John 16, 33. In this world, you... What's that say? In this world... Those of you who know English, new to say will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. There's no question. Negative exposure, negative experiences in this world are an absolute certainty. That's the reality. And if we're going to experience positive exposure, if we're going to overcome the negative exposure, if we're going to counteract it, if we're going to fight against it, 
We have to understand that positive exposure is a choice. Negative exposure comes naturally. We are going to experience it as an absolute certainty, but you're not, as an absolute certainty, always going to experience positive exposure. I mean, you're going to be rejected in this world, but you might not experience unconditional positive love in this world. It's a choice. So, this is the reality. We are ultimately significantly influenced by what we're exposed to, and we are going to be exposed to negatives with absolute certainty, but we can, by choice, expose ourselves to the positives. And one of the great positive choices, the great positive choice that God has given to us is His Word, His truth, which is positive and good and can set us free. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 11, said that in this world of negative exposure, it's so easy to become a fool ourselves, for our character to be corrupted. But if we make the choice to hide God's word in our heart, we can overcome it. He said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What a deal. Now, here's the application. If we're going to overcome the absolute certainty of exposure to the minus side of life and if we are going to experience the plus side the positive potential and fullness that God has made possible in our lives it requires a choice it requires choosing choosing intentionally strategically choosing to counteract the negative exposure we have in this world with the positive exposure of God's Word we have the ability to counteract, to combat, to overcome the negative exposure we're going to experience in this world. We have the ability to not just be companions with foolish decisions, but actually to counteract it with God's wisdom. We have the ability not just to allow our character to slowly and methodically be corrupted, but rather to counteract it by a choice of our will, by an active and strategic choice to counteract the negative exposure with God's truth. And when we do, as the psalmist said, we might not make those bad choices. I, the whole book of Psalms starts out in chapter 1 by laying out this principle. Look at Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed, and that first word blessed is so important because it really describes everything you long for in life. Satisfaction, contentment, a life of meaning and value, of worth. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers, blesses the one who doesn't allow that which they will be exposed to in this world, all the negatives, be, to become the guiding reality of their lives. But rather they make a choice to delight in the law of the Lord. And they make a choice to meditate on that law day and night. Since day and night we are going to be exposed as an absolute certainty to the negative realities of this world, the one who's going to experience life at its best, experience the plus side of life, is the one that has to decide by choice that they are going to delight so much in God's positive truth that they're going to invest in it on a daily basis to combat and counteract the negative realities they'll experience in the world. But so many don't understand the importance of this. A lot of us who decide to become Christ followers make a very common mistake we make the common mistake to believe that getting to the place where we're willing to open our life up to Jesus Christ, getting to the place where we're willing to acknowledge that He really is the Savior of the world, He died on the cross to forgive us our sins and He rose again to give us new life, getting to that place where we put our faith in Him and allow Him to forgive us and give us new life, that is enough, but it's not. 
it's not enough. It's essential, but it's not enough. We make this common mistake to believe that, that the hard part of the spiritual journey is the journey to acknowledging that Jesus truly is Savior and Lord. We, we make the common mistake of believing that the arduous task is getting to the place where we're finally willing to embrace Him as Savior, ask Him forgiveness, and get His nature implanted into us by faith. And so when we finally do that, we feel like we're there. And that's where destruction begins because we still live in even after we come to faith in Christ we still live in even after he gives us a new nature we still live in a negative world where negative exposure is an absolute certainty someone's experiencing it right now <laughs> if you're watching church online or watching this something that we just have someone screaming and hollering a little child going I hate this guy you know I get it <laughs> imagine how my wife feels but here's the deal. We live in a world where negative exposure continues. You will have trouble even after you come to faith in Christ. The hard part of the spiritual journey isn't getting to Jesus. It's living for Him after you come to Him. It's not enough just to have a new heart. We need to then make choices to overcome the negative exposure that are going to continue to bombard into our lives. You want proof of this? Because some of you have tension right now. Well, the hard part is not going to Christ. It's not enough just to have him change your heart and give you his nature. No, it's not. Adam and Eve were placed on this planet with good hearts and perfect natures. But when exposed to the negative junk that the evil one threw at them, what did they do? They blew it. They messed up. It's not enough to have a good nature, a good heart. It's not enough. We need to counteract it or else we too, like them, will fall and wear down. We need to counteract the negatives of this world with the positives of God's word. Great example, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, if you look into the Bible, you'll find, was born with a good heart, a perfect nature. And yet Jesus, when he confronted the absolutes of the, this negative world, did not just say, no big deal, it's like water off a duck's back, I've got a good heart and a perfect nature, no problem. That's not how he handled it. In fact, I'd really encourage you, read along the way, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11 this week. I'll synthesize it, summarize it for you. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Know this. Negative exposure in this world is an absolute certainty. You can't escape it no matter who you are, how good your heart, how perfect your nature. You cannot escape it. Jesus couldn't. But he didn't just, you know, say, no big deal, I'm a good person, I'm okay. Look at how he responded. All three of the major temptations that Satan threw at him, covering all areas that we will be tempted, Jesus answered in the same way, it is written. Satan came... He exposed Jesus to the negative, destructive power of deception and Jesus counteracted it with God's truth. It is written. Negative came again. Jesus counteracted it and said, for it is written. And Satan did it again. And Jesus finally said, away from me, Satan, for it's written. He kept turning to God's truth to counteract the negatives of this world. He kept turning to God's truth to counteract the negatives of this world. And what happened? What happened? You don't have to be a theologian to get this. We just showed you in that passage. What happened? The devil left him. You want to experience victory over the negative realities of this world instead of allowing them to corrupt your character and make you 
foolish in your choices, you have to counteract the negative exposure which comes into your life with God's positive truth. Okay, here's how it could look. In this world, because negative exposure is an absolute certainty, we're going to experience rejection. People are going to betray us and break promises and dagger us in the back and hurt us. And those kind of rejection moments go really deep into our soul. They literally change the fabric of who we are and how we see the world. They, they change how we see ourselves and how we see others and how we see God and how we experience the world. They change how we make choices because we've been hurt. We don't want to be hurt again. And that will become the basis for our life and our choices unless we counteract that negative exposure with something. And what we need to do is we need to turn to God's Word. And when we turn to God's Word, we realize though we're rejected by people He made, we're never rejected by He who made us. God so loved us that even at our worst, He sent His Son. In our greatest failure, He stands ready to forgive. God will never love me more no matter what I do or don't do. And so I can counteract the rejection that can shape me as a fool in this world with the positive reality of God's acceptance which can make me wise in this world. But I have to go there like Jesus did instead of ignoring it like Adam and Eve did. In this world, we're going to experience the bottom falling out of areas of our life. And for some of us, it's not just areas of our life. Some of us would say the bottom have, has fallen out of my entire life. Not one dream remains intact. They've all been dashed against the rocks of reality. There's not one thing that I thought would bring me security that's still in my life. The bottom has fallen out of my life relationally, vocationally, emotionally. But you need to know this, though that's the reality of this world and negative exposure is an absolute certainty, when you turn to God's word you can counteract your experience by realizing that God's about a bigger bucket than you have and though the bottom's fallen out of yours it'll never fall out of his and you can look at his promises and you can realize in the worst of moments he is still God and he is still good and he is still capable you can read Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 which says trust in the Lord with all your heart don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight I mean we have to counteract the negatives we will experience with the positives of his word. We can, in this world of economic insecurity, turn to Philippians 4.19 and realize he's promised, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches, not according to the U.S. economy, not according to Republican or Democratic politicians, not according to capitalism, but according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I mean, we can go to it and realize he's trustworthy. Many of us are living in the pollution of despair because we're not counteracting it with the positives of God's promises. That's what Jesus did, and that's what we have to do. If we don't, we're going to be companions of fools because we live in a foolish world, but we can be the companion of wisdom if we will turn to God's word. Our character will be corrupted as we walk through this world, but it can be rebuilt and reconstructed if we counteract it with God's word. So what do we have to do to get there? Well, if we're going to ultimately truly counteract the negative exposure we get 24-7, if we're going to go from walking in the counsel of the ungodly to delighting in the law of the Lord day and night, really, really getting there, what do we have to do? We first of all have to realize and understand the danger of unchecked negative exposure in our lives. And remember, 
Negative exposure is an absolute certainty. There is nothing we can do to avoid it. We can't construct our lives to isolate it from it. It's an absolute certainty. And it is dangerous when we don't counteract it. It is destructive when we don't check it. I mean, Peter is a great example of this. Peter was one of the early followers of Jesus. And Peter was a courageous guy. Pretty good character. Absolutely committed to Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to him one day and he said, you know, you you don't see it, you don't know it, but you are living in a world of deceptive and negative, destructive powers, and it's going to take you down if you're not careful. Satan, he said, is going to take you down. You're going to deny me three times. And Peter looked at Jesus and said, are you kidding me? I'm absolutely committed to you. I've left everything for you. I'm courageous. Come on. These other guys might be wimps. But I'm not. And these other guys might not love you and they might desert you, but I love you enough to die for you. There's no way I'm going down. He didn't understand the destructive danger of the negative exposure he was experiencing in this world. And what happened? Exactly what Jesus said would happen. He took a belly flop off a high dive platform into the world of pain because he didn't realize how dangerous the negative exposure was in his life until it was too late. And the same thing happens with us. And then God inspired Peter to write this in 1 Peter 5.8. Be self-controlled and alert. Don't go to sleep like I did. Don't think of yourself better than I did myself. Don't, Don't you believe that the negative exposure that you're being dealt every day of your life isn't influencing you. Be sober. Be self-controlled. Be alert for your adversary, the evil one. Like a roaring lion is looking for someone to devour and it worked on me. Don't let it work on you. The danger of unchecked negative exposure is that it can move us slowly away from what's good to what's bad without knowing it, from what's wise to what's foolish without knowing it, from God to self without knowing it. It happens time and time again. We need to put it in check. Which then leads to the second thing. Okay, once we understand the danger of unchecked negative exposure, then we have to understand the power of the positive exposure we can have to God's truth. We have to understand the power of exposure to God's positive truth. God's truth, the reason He inspired it, the reason He gave it to us was so that we would have at our fingertips to fill our heart with that which can counteract and combat the negative, foolish, destructive junk that we're going to face every single day. In fact, look at how he says it in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture, this is what we have contained in the Bible, all that which I have spoken, which I have breathed out, God says, is useful for teaching. Now in this world, you're going to be taught all kinds of garbage, all kinds of junk, all kinds of negative, deceptive, stuff which will take you down but I've breathed out this word to counteract it so that you can have positive teaching in this world you're going to be told all kinds of things are okay and good but what I've breathed out my truth is good for rebuking you for helping you to see the error of that way the error of those choices it's good for correcting it's good for training in right living and righteousness so that if you counteract the negatives of this world With my scripture, God says, you can be thoroughly equipped for every good work, for every moment, for everything you face. Hebrews 4.12 takes it even deeper, I think. It says, for the word of God 
is living and active. It is not a dead book. It is not history. It is not a record of what God once did, what God once thought, of what God once said. The word of God is living, which means as surely as he spoke it to the people he spoke it to, he is speaking it to you and me today. It's living. It's active. So many people are saying, I wish God would speak today. He is. He just wishes you to open it and read it and listen to it. He's speaking. It's alive. It's living. It can transform us as surely as those it was spoken to in person and life to. The Word of God is living and active. And look at how it takes it further. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You think about this world and its negative exposure. When we are experiencing condemnation or rejection, when we are experiencing unfaithfulness and broken promises, when we are experiencing the unbelievable junk we experience in this world, the bottom falling out of life, it cuts deep into our lives. It breaks us inside. It breaks how we see ourselves and God and this world and how we experience it. It breaks us. But God's word is living and active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword can go in and it can divide all that stuff up and take it out and bring healing into our lives. We need, if we're going to live the plus side of this life, we need to counteract all the negative junk with God's positive truth in our lives. You say, well, how do I get it in there? Oh man, there are all kinds of ways you can get it in there. I mean, you can listen to it and I commend you right now. You're either here live in one of our campuses or you're watching on Church Online or watching On Demand online and you're, you're, you're exposing yourself to it. You're listening to it. That's a way to get it in there. But you know, there are other ways to get God's Word into your life and into your heart to counteract the negatives of this world. One way, and I know most Americans don't even know this word still exists or this activity is still pursued by anybody, but you could read it. It's amazing. You could study it. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. The way I protect myself against the evils of this world is by filling my life with it. That means he's memorizing it so it's always available. It's always there. When was the last time you memorized any portion of the Bible? You can meditate on it. When it's in your heart, you can meditate on it. Most people think meditation is freeing your mind up so whatever comes in you can think about. No! Talk about becoming a companion of fools. What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to fill your mind with his truth which counteracts the junk you get in this world and then you're supposed to over and over and over think on that. Meditate on it. You can sing it to get exposure to it. And a lot of people say, I don't like worship music, church music all that much. Man, it's so repetitive. Oh my gosh, the same thing. Oh, but open my eyes, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. <sighs> but you know, that's just, that's just Bible. And the reason it's repetitive and redundant is because it takes a lot to get past the huge cyst that fills up most of our skulls to some gray matter where it can finally attach to something. We're, we're trying to create a means to where God's word will be hooked into our lives. And what happens when we understand the danger of unchecked negative exposure and 
we understand the power of counteracting it with God's positive truth. What happens in our life? Well, when we expose ourselves to God's truth, it provides wisdom in a world of foolishness. Exactly what we need. In the world we will be companions of foolishness, which will lead us to foolishness unless we turn to God's word, which gives us wisdom in a world of foolishness. Proverbs 1, 1 and 2, the Proverbs of Solomon for attaining wisdom. When we turn to God's Word and expose ourselves to it, it provides eternal perspective in a world lost in the temporary. Do you realize most people are so lost in the temporary, they give up on God for things that are only momentary. You turn to God's Word and you get a bigger perspective from beginning to end. Look at Romans 8.18. I consider that our present sufferings, though they're painful, though they're hard, though they're difficult, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us when we're with Him. Most people give up on God because of present sufferings, but when you have an eternal perspective, you realize present sufferings are nothing in contrast to what God has given you, eternity. And turning to the Bible helps counteract it. Most of us are living such poor and pitiful lives, not because that's all that's available to us, but because we're not turning to God's Word and realizing that God made us for more, that it's bigger than this moment. When we turn to God's Word, it provides hope in a world of despair. I mean, Romans 8, 28 is a great example of this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. It doesn't say all things are good. Many things are horrific. Do you think God believes that nails in His, in his wrists and His feet are good? That rejection's good? That kind of, no. All things are not good. Many things are horrific. But God can take even the worst of moments and the worst of experiences where human beings do incomprehensible things to other human beings and He can still do a good work in us if we'll trust Him. Now talk about counteracting the negative. That's what the Bible does. And yet most Christ followers, because they think having a good heart and a nature like Christ is enough, walk around and live in despair without much hope for the future, walk around believing that they're not worth much instead of the valuable creations of God they are, walk around without purpose and direction, without a vision for their future because in this world there's not much to look forward to. But all we have to do is go to God's Word and realize, whoa, even in the worst of despair in this moment, we can have hope because God is alive and God is well. We need His Word. And when we turn to His Word, it provides faith in a world of unbelief. So many people say, I need more faith. You need more Bible. How do I believe? Go to the book. Most people, most people who say, I just can't believe in God are people who've never, ever really looked into His Word. There have been people who were huge skeptics who finally decided they'd look into the Bible to prove how messed up it was and what happened is they saw how messed up they were and how good he was and they've been transformed by it. The key is you have to go to it. It provides faith in a world of unbelief. Look at Romans 10:17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. There are times I struggle with unbelief. There are times I struggle with not having enough faith and those times are always accompanied by Seasons where I'm not opening myself up to His Word enough. Where are you at? 
If you're a believer already, I'm telling you right now, the only way you're ever going to grow in faith to where you can embrace his hope in the midst of this despair and his wisdom in the midst of all of the foolishness of this world is by pouring this into your life because blessed is the one that doesn't live by the counsel of the ungodly but instead delights in by choice the law of the Lord and exposes themselves to it day and night. They become like a tree planted by the rivers of water bringing forth fruit in all seasons. Their leaf will never wither and whatever they do will prosper. Why? Because that's what God's word does inside of us. But we have to make the choice. We have to go there. And by the way, the starting point of faith, I know there are a lot of you who are searching. The starting point of faith, when you start hearing the message, you start realizing, whoa, this Jesus makes more sense than I thought. The Bible makes more sense than I thought. The starting point of faith is to let him in to forgive you, to transform your heart and nature to his. It's essential. It's not the ending place. It's the beginning place. But that's where you start. If you didn't hear the talk last weekend, you've got to go back to it. Because without that nature, we don't have a chance. And so I want to, just before I unwrap the last principle here, I'm going to ask you if you'd bow with me in a word of prayer. And just before you bow in prayer, I understand that you've been pre-programmed. Bow your head, run for the car. I get it. <laughs> but we're not there yet. So when we bow our head, keep your butt in the seat. All right? This is not time to go get a Diet Coke if you're watching church online. This is a time to pray. Let's just bow our heads just a moment. If you're a believer, you should be focusing on what God's doing in your life about this. When was the last time you opened the Bible? Or is your Bible gathering dust? If you're here and you're saying, I need Jesus, pray with me. T take my words in this prayer and make them yours. Just say, God, my insides are really messed up. All this negative exposure has just led to such negative choices on my part. I've sinned against you. But I believe, Jesus, that when you died on the cross, you were paying the price for my sin. And so by faith, I'm confessing my sin to you and asking you to forgive me. I believe when you rose again, it was to give me a new heart, a new nature and so by faith I'm claiming it put it in me change me so I can follow you in Jesus name amen now if you just prayed with me look at Ephesians 2 8 and 9 it says it is by grace you have been saved through faith that's the starting point of faith and this is not from yourselves it's not something you can do yourself save yourself or give yourself faith it is the gift of God it's not by work so that anyone can boast what just happened is you just took a step of trust and I just want to encourage you there's so much more to this relationship with God we'd love to help you to navigate it we've put together a letter about ideas for next steps you can take but we need to know you prayed with me and so if you're here in one of our live worship services I just encourage you please take out the program before you leave and tear out the connection card inside. And it's so easy. Just make sure you put your name and address on there so we can get it to you. There's other things you can fill out. But on the very bottom, check that circle that says, Today I prayed to receive Jesus. And if you did, put it in one of the boxes as you leave our auditoriums. There are little boxes. Just throw that thing in there and we'll send you a next step letter. And if you're watching church online, so glad you're a part of Northridge. But there's a little what next button. Hit that and we'd be glad to do the same thing in your life. Take steps in building your relationship with God. But there's this last principle. Once we understand that 
there's a huge danger in negative exposure unchecked. And once we understand that there's unbelievable power in counteracting the negative exposure with God's positive truth, then we have to understand another reality. It's still a challenge to do it. I, I understand the danger. I really do understand the danger. I've fallen enough and messed up enough to where I know that negative exposure can take me down just like Peter did. Uh, and I know the power of God's truth because it's shaped my life and thinking in so many ways that have changed me. Everything of value in my life today comes from it. I get it. And yet I still have a hard time getting to it. Dust keeps collecting, you know, on the, on the Bible. I don't turn the apps on on my iPhone. I don't know what kind of crap's on an Android, but I'm sure you can get the Bible on it, which is good. <laughs> Um, but, but the point isn't the vehicle. The point is the word. And most of us are leaving it untouched and untapped. And I get there too. And it's because there are challenges. And so if we're going to be positive in this world instead of negative, we have to get to the place where we understand and daily choose to overcome the challenges. We have to daily overcome the challenges by choice. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 9.27 in the message translation. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert. By the way, do you capture that language from 1 Peter 5.8? I'm staying alert. Peter said, you've got to stay alert or you're going to fall like me. You've got to stay alert or you're going to be taken down like I was. Paul says, no sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, get caught sleeping. I'm not going to become a fool because I walk only in the companionship of fools. I'm not going to tell everyone else about God's truth and then miss out at, missing out on it myself. I'm not going to do that. He said, I'm going to overcome the challenges. And we have to decide the same thing. What are the challenges? Well, I'll put them in simple terms, but they're powerful realities. Here's the first one. We have to overcome the challenge the battle of the blankets. You heard me right. The battle of the blankets. This is a challenge of discipline. Most of us choose extra sleep over God's truth. Now let me just tell you, your eternity will not be destroyed because you don't get enough physical sleep, but your eternity is being destroyed every day by not getting enough of his truth. How about you getting less sleep and getting more Jesus? That would be a way to start. The battle of the blankets. <clears throat> now, I have to tell you, this is an easy one for me to talk about because the battle of the blankets isn't my battle. I don't even really... If I didn't have to sleep, I wouldn't do it. I don't like sleep. What a total waste of time. Here's my view of life. We're going to be dead a long time. Why do we want to practice so much while we're alive? I'll wait for unconsciousness when it comes, you know? But I do have a battle, and my battle's the second one. It's the battle of busyness. This is a challenge with distractions. This is my battle because I can make any little thing that's keeping me busy more important than the big thing of reshaping my heart and my thinking. I let little things get in the way of the big thing, and I bet you do as well. More important than anything else in life is His truth counteracting the negative realities of this world so that we can walk in wisdom. And most of us allow little things to get in the way. We need to win the battle of business. There's also the battle of the blahs. 
the Battle of the Blahs, huge challenge. This is the challenge of dullness. There are a lot of people who have stopped reading the Bible as much, getting into the Bible, exposing themselves to the Bible as much because it's just not all that exciting anymore. It was exciting maybe for a while in the beginning. It's not all that exciting anymore. It just doesn't feel so beneficial, so it's harder to do. Well, let me just tell you something. Eating isn't all that exciting all the time, is it? Now, I understand the first time you have, like, chicken pad thai, you go, wow! But then after you've had it a couple times, you go, yeah. There are restaurants that I absolutely love the first time I went to them. I drive by them daily now going, yawn. But I don't stop eating. Because though eating isn't always exciting, eating is vital to my health. True? M&M's, Skittles, <laughs> Coke. Just kidding. Many of us have stopped eating God's word because it's not always exciting. You just have to understand it's always beneficial. Water isn't all that exciting to us. But we need it to live. I bet you you don't go to the water and go, Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> if you just ran a marathon or something. See all the orange shirts around here? If you just ran a marathon or something, maybe. But water's not all exciting because we have it in abundance. But imagine how exciting water is to people who don't have it. I don't have to imagine. I've been there. In our communities in Zambia, there are people who walk three and more miles one way to collect polluted water to take home and hope that they don't die for drinking it, but they have to drink it because it's all they've got. And I am so sure that when they received the water that our Team World Vision runners made possible for them in the future, they will be excited, don't you think? I mean, it's going to be exciting. You saw the announcement, $543,000 raised by our Team World Vision Marathon runners. And I mean, 11,000 people for the rest of their life will have clean and healthy water. Talk about them being excited and it'll change generations to come. Water might not be all that exciting to us because we have so much of it, but it's essential to real life. And when people don't have it, they get really excited. And know this, the Word of God is exactly the same. So many of us are so unexcited by the Word of God because we've got an abundance. We've got it on our smartphones. We've got it on our iPads or tablets, we've got it in our computers, we've got it on our coffee table, in our bedstands, and dozens of them in our libraries, but we just don't open them up because it's not all that exciting anymore, but it's essential for life. It's about time we remember how important and exciting it is. And just to remind you, watch this. Traffic advisory, Mike Alpha Delta from Centani to Cordoba, now crossing the ridge uh, just above Salem, maintaining 1-2,000. There'll be a big party when we land. They'll be dancing and singing, and that'll be pretty amazing. Thank you.
The one pastor had said, it says in, in the Gospel of John that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus is that Word, and Jesus is coming, and we need to be there to meet Him. The, the crying and the sobbing that took place there was just, it was something totally unexpected to me because I knew they would be happy. But the emotion that came out was just so overwhelming to me. I thought, we have no idea. We have had the Word of God for so long and we don't cherish it. Sampai pokok pernah orang bela. They were ecstatic because they knew what it was like to live in a negative world without God's positive truth to counteract it. And when they got it, it changed their entire world. We need it just as much as they needed it. It's just that we have forgotten its value. It's precious. It's important. We need to fight the battle of the blankets, the battle of busyness, and the battle of the blahs in order to get through it. We need to stay committed to it. Now, on your outlines, if you're in one of our live experiences, there's another blank, but there's no answer for that. So you can just kind of cross that out, exit off, draw faces on it. But here's the thing. What we're exposed to significantly, significantly influences us. And with absolute certainty, you're going to be exposed to foolishness, corrupt character, destructive realities of this negative world. But you have a choice to counteract it with God's positive. Here's my encouragement. Make the choice. Because when you make the choice to counteract the world with God's wisdom, it gives you hope in the midst of despair, wisdom in the midst of foolishness. It gives you life. And I encourage you to seize it because God inspired it so you could have it. Let's invest ourselves in it. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.